angle. Yeah, you're perfect. Great. Awesome. Well, everyone, welcome to Nerds with Friends. I'm Josh Lindquist. This is my co-host, Will Shaw. And today we have filmmaker Drew Smith joining us. Drew, we're happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome, awesome. Well, Drew, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about your award-winning film, Limo, that you directed. So tell us about uh, how that process was, what, uh, what challenges you faced, what things you overcame, and how you made it happen. Well, it uh, started off, it started off as a student film when I was in college about 2018, I would say, and it was something that a classmate he uh, brought up, and uh, I like in in the movie itself is about this uh, guy who has fallen out of love so many times that he gives his love to this creature called Limo, and. It, but but then he finds the right person that he wants to spend the rest of his life with. But then Limo gets in the way, and I really I really like that I, that uh, concept. And I just approached the guy, and I was like, "Hey, is it okay if I direct this?" And he was like, "Yeah, go ahead." And uh, it was it was kind of that simple. But uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting process. We, we would meet every week to go through and. Um, just storyboard whatever scenes we were gonna shoot for the following week, and it, it was it, it was it was a bit tough to get used to. I'll admit, but but again, that's what comes with directing. You gotta be on board with everyone. Uh, I I would say the most challenging part of that was we shot this party scene at this guy's house, and um, it was like eight hours, but it was a good setup. We were like prepared for. It. We had a good production team, but nice. but the one issue we had. It's one of those things that it's funnier in retrospect than at the, and at the time. Because we were supposed to have a scene where the protagonist saves his love interest from this uh, guy who just uh, gained a bit too hands-on, let's just say. And th- this was right after the whole Me Too thing happened. So, but, uh, but the actor we initially had, he was like, hey, I have to leave before we shoot my scene. And I'm like, um, thanks for not telling us. Uh, so, so he left and I was like, no, what, here, let, uh, let me do it. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was a, it was a fun experience. Like it was just, uh, people were laughing the whole time because it was just sort of, uh, but you know, it, yeah, that was a bit of a difficult, uh, the, the most difficult day. But I mean, once we got to it, it was good, but it was just sort of, but was it, uh, was it hard to direct while you're starring in the movie as well? A little bit, but the producer directed me. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's sort of what I found is have like an AD assistant director or if anyone else who could pick up the reins. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, yeah, it was a bit difficult, but uh, we did win a few awards. Like, like, first of all, we put it into the short, the collegiate showcase, if you will, uh, at the Newport Beach Film Festival about two years ago. And, uh, that was a very fun experience. Just like seeing. Was. Something. I was there at that premiere. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's just like seeing something with my name attached to it for people to see. And it was just, it was just incredible. People loved it. And uh, then it received a bunch of awards. Uh, I think it was uh, like a critics choice, like at a few local festivals. And it, it, it was just, it was a really great opportunity that I was lucky to uh, grab onto. That's awesome. Is it uh, currently on Vimeo or YouTube where it can be viewed by the audience? Um, 
that that's something I still have to discuss with the uh, with the producer. I'm I'm sure that by now people can anyone can view it, but uh, for right now I have it on my channel. But it's sort of private. Oh, but I'm gonna consult. But uh, yeah, yeah. By now, hopefully everyone can view it. But, uh, We'd love to put a link in the in the description of this video, so yeah, everyone uh, who's watching here can check it out. You know. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll talk with I'll talk with I'll talk with him about it, and uh, hopefully we can make it happen. Awesome! Very cool. Well, Will, what questions do you have for our, our first? Uh, this is our first uh, filmmaker showcase that we're having Drew on for. So he'll be the first. We can talk about all things yeah. movies, all things cinema. So, Well, actually, uh, I wanted to start out. What got you into filmmaking? Was it just a love of movies or uh, especially because you said you made this in, in school? Was this where you knew you wanted to go or uh, was this just something you fell into? Um, this, this was something that it's a bit of a, well, my, uh, father, he, uh, he's, he was, he's in the advertising industry and, uh, I think it was around 2012, about 10 years ago where I, I just, I just became enveloped by the whole cinematic uh, landscape as I call it. And I was around the time I started this movie blog. I have, uh, Mr. Drew's reviews. It's on WordPress. It's a, it's something I've been doing ever since then. And, uh, but that was kind of when it started to formulate. And I, I just, and by now I have too much information to, I mean, <laughs> I mean, to tell you all of that, I would be here for about the next few days. But uh, yeah, and I, I know, but, but, but overall, it was just, I, I just, I just sort of, it's just something that, that I really gravitated towards. I mean, everyone has something that they know and everything about like just like that. I mean, there's someone out there who, if I were to throw my phone across the room accidentally or drop it, anyone in the world could like calculate immediately the density of the object, like wind resistance and the speed. I mean, there's someone out there who knows that. I mean, I don't. I mean, that's that. That's all. I mean, that's all numbers to me. But uh, yeah, that was kind of where my fascination for movies came from. Just it just uh, just to escape. To a, to a really uh, interesting world and uh, just something that I just always wanted to do. That's fantastic. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite movie that you've seen this year? I, I would have to say so far, I mean, so far, because we still got a big, a bunch of big ones coming out. Uh, so yeah. far, I think my favorite is uh, Shang-Chi. I really enjoyed that. That's I think it's nice. a big step forward for that. I've been following that universe for I, I vaguely remember, like, I would watch the first Iron Man on my dad's, like, I, like little iPod, like a video iPod, and the screen was, like, that big. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I never thought it would, like, like, just sort of explode into this interconnected universe that is rivaled only by the Tarantino-verse, which I'm not a big fan of. But uh, yes. <laughs> yes. that 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 is my directorial influence, if you want. But but yeah, I, I mean that I would say that that is my favorite movie so far this year. Although there is going to be a lot of serious contenders in the next few months. Yeah, what are you most excited for? I think uh, Dune, but also the Matrix. Uh, Was it the Matrix Resurrections? Yeah, Resurrections. I'm looking forward, especially to No Way Home. Uh, yeah. you know, like No Way Home, um, Eternals looks good. The new Bond film coming out next week, No Time to Die, on my birthday. Which, no, you know, happy but, birthday. But, That's awesome. Oh, yeah. oh thank you. Oh, thank you. But uh, yeah, 
Uh, but the the one movie I'm really, 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 really looking forward to is uh, the Batman. Uh, I have high hopes for it. I, I remember the trailer they released last year, which might be my favorite movie related thing to come out last year. I uh, that, that gave me a lot of hopes for it. But uh, yeah, yeah, so far uh, this year in terms of movies, we're getting a lot. We're getting a lot more. And last night I, I worked at a movie theater uh, over here in Costa Mesa, and last night. Because we had Venom come out, uh, actually on Thursday we had Venom. We had like Am's Family Two, which personally I, I don't know. Uh, and then there's <laughs> uh, and then the Sopranos movie, and it was packed, like packed. That's awesome. But you know we kind of needed that. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm glad to yeah. see movies are making a comeback after the pandemic because that was rough yeah. times. Yeah, I, honestly, like the what's ironic is that during the pandemic like movies and music helped sort of keep me like it helped to sort of like keep me together and um but like now i and up in la they've got like millions of square feet worth of sound stages being built and i mean hopefully by next year i'll uh relocate up there and uh nice. possibly just uh get out there and uh, say hey i'm here what do you have for me I mean, obviously not not like that, but just sort of like trying to walk the fine line between persistence and and uh, trying to be understanding of, of other people's schedules. Yeah, that's awesome. Very and, cool. And I noticed you mentioned uh, like a lot of the, like the the big name movies come uh, coming out as far as what you're excited for it, um, but. You mentioned uh, Tarantino has has been a big influence. Do you find that you tend to like go towards more of the more of that? Oh, how do I even categorize that? <laughs> that kind of like outside, more obscure way of yeah. storytelling that Tarantino has. Yeah, sort of like independent. Yeah, I, yeah. I do tend to gravitate. I mean, I, I mean, I'm generally fine with what we do in Hollywood, but. Oftentimes, I feel like we're a bit limited, so I usually go to either independent cinema, like what Tarantino started off in, and even like people like uh, Edgar Wright. Uh, but then I go to like international films. I used to say foreign films, but I now say independent features. It, it, it sounds a bit more inclusive. But uh, yeah, I, I think what they do in in China, in uh, in Japan. And but but the main the industry that I'm really a big advocate for is the Indonesian film industry. They've done movies like The Raid and The Night Comes for Us. And I'm a big fan of action, but it's action where it's not like quick cut, like sort of like you can't tell what's yeah. going on and you want to vomit immediately. It's like <laughs> it, it, it's it's handheld. I'm a big advocate against shaky cam, but I'm not against handheld because and, and Josh and I remember we saw. The greatest movie I've ever seen in a theater, and then I'll tell you my worst. Just to, actually, I'll tell you my the worst movie I ever saw in a theater. Fantastic Four from six years ago. Oof. It, it <laughs> is rough. Yeah, I mean, when you make the ones from like from like ten years ago look Oscar worthy. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember <laughs> like I went with a friend of mine. They were and he was like, "You should have gone see Mission Impossible." And I'm like, "Yeah, you might be right." But uh, yeah, but the best movie I, I ever saw in a theater that made the impact it meant to make was uh, The Raid 2. I remember 
I was, it was a really, really, really bad time in my life. Just, it's just, it, it, it just wasn't pleasant. And then, and then I, I went to see it and it was like, Hey, maybe, maybe this will cheer you up. And I remember being on the edge of my seat, literally like everything, every movie prompts. But I remember just like the way it's shot. You can clearly see that these guys put like months of effort into it, not just the fight choreography, but also the blocking and sort of like where the camera is going to be, how it's going to move, whether it's going to be one of many overhead shots or like sort of a, a drone shot or a crane shot. But yeah, I, I, I really, I, 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 I but yes, to answer your question, I, I do tend to oftentimes gravitate towards independent and or international cinema. Yeah. And I think, yeah, no, I, and I totally agree with you on the rate, just the way that they have everything so clear and clean that you can just follow everything. And that's part of the beauty there is you get so much tension from that, just knowing where all of these pieces are. No, yeah. And I don't mind handheld as long as it's like sort of like you're trying to to comprehend what's going on, but it's not like in Taken. I always say this as like the worst way to shoot a fight. Uh, in Taken 3, I don't know why there were three of them, but me, even Deadpool's trying to figure that one out. Um, there's like a, there's a, a scene where I think within 40 seconds, there are like five cuts per second. And it's just like, yeah. and, and you go cross-eyed immediately. And it's just like, guys, come on. And, I mean, it's just like, really? Is this where we've come? But uh, no, I, I always say that. But, you know, it, but for every movie like that, there's always going to be like John Woo movies or even Michael Bay has done mm-hmm. decent stuff, even if he's uh, uh, an interesting guy. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's a little problematic in some regards, but he doesn't yeah. know how to direct action. We can give him no. that. Yeah, he, and he, I mean, he's not the thinking man's director on the white at Pearl Harbor, but the attack scene itself <laughs> is fairly well. It's, it's fairly well done. <laughs> Say what, what you will about the man. He knows how to film an explosion. <laughs> yeah, too many, too many of those. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I remember taking my mom for some reason to see Transformers 2. And that was kind of the start of all the blatant racism, and I'm and now I I deeply regret. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the uh, uh, those two, uh, what were those? The like, the yeah, little yeah, bombs, the little bots who were sidekick robots. <laughs> and I think Tom Kenny voiced one of them. Which, which I believe he go. did. Yeah, the voice of SpongeBob. Really? Yeah, he was. All these people want is a paycheck, but uh, no, I. No, but, but, you know, sometimes it's not just movies. Sometimes like, I feel like movies and TV have kind of been neck and neck in terms of mm-hmm. production as ever since the Sopranos. But lately I think Disney has been doing a very smart thing with all the Marvel shows that they put out mm-hmm. on division was all right. Falcon winter soldier was, was pretty good. Loki is my personal favorite so far, but Hawkeye may dethrone it. But what if that latest episode yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the what ifs actually. I have not seen those. It, Josh, it, it starts off pretty solid, sags a bit in the middle, but this latest episode is like it. It taps into the multiverse idea, and Ooh. and it, it has a lot of interesting things. Like, what if they were they were these, or what if 
no one lived or stuff like that. But uh, it, it's a, it's something that I mean, it is animated, but the animation is, is pretty good. And they get most of the actors who've been in the universe, but like uh, Robert Downey Jr. is not in it because his contract right now. And I think, right. he's, I mean, just, just let him do his own thing. He's already busy yeah. helping people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think what if like because it's kind of based on the Marvel what if comics and um, oh. like just feeding a lot of those like ideas that don't really have the the room to be like a huge feature and I think that it, it's absolutely brilliant what they've done there um, and speaking of which like uh, being like independent film has often kind of been that that ground for like cinema that doesn't necessarily warrant or sometimes just hasn't been able to get that like $20 million budget. But um, what do you think of like the impact of these new streaming services like YouTube, Netflix? uh, I'm totally spacing on everything. Yeah. Amazon prime. Yeah. Yeah. All all those. I, I, I don't mind them. I mean, I, I think the one issue I have, and this reflects on the recent Black Widow uh, uh, lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson and Disney. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, personally, I, wa- I wasn't sure why that was happening. And, I mean, movies like that, I feel, deserve to only be seen on the big screen. I mean, that's why Shang-Chi is, has set the record for the biggest Labor Day weekend ever. And going forward, none of the other movies are going to be on Disney+, Plus, which I think is 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 a is a smart move but uh yeah i feel like they're kind of putting up a new mini red flag but you know i mean i i've been a fan of netflix's movies for the most part i mean they put out really good stuff not just shows but also stand up specials but and amazon prime are pretty solid but yeah i mean it's it's not as much of a red flag as people are making them out to be but uh it is sort of a new like a new reality that we're facing where a solid month after a movie comes out, it's going to be on uh, like Disney plus or HBO max. Yeah. But, uh, I, but yeah, personally I'm okay with it. And uh, it's actually a funny little, uh, I'm a big fan of John Carpenter mainly because this guy, every movie he made was like a small budget yet. It had a, yet the, but the story itself could have been equally like strong if it were uh, on a higher budget, but sometimes you don't need one. You just need a, a good story, like good people involved with it. And now he's uh, involved with Halloween kills. So people obviously uh, don't still know who he is. No, he's, he, he, no, he's a, uh, he's, he's another influence on, uh, on mine. And it's just, he's still doing, he's still doing it. And also a very good composer. No one really knew he could compose. He composed most of, most of his movies except for Pink, John Carpenter. Really, I did not know that. No, but uh, he used a synthesizer a lot. It was pretty 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 badass. But uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So what? Uh, if you if you had ten million dollars right now to make your own movie, what would kind of be the things you would consider in going into production and choosing the story beats? What are some of the things you do with that? Story beats. Well. Or what kind of story would you want to tell if you just suddenly well, had enough money to back your production? I actually have an idea for a story I've been wanting to do, to do for a while. It's it's I, it doesn't really have a title, but it's about this this woman who's a bit uh, cybernetically enhanced. She's sort of 
It, it's sort of influenced by uh, Neil Blomkamp's uh, futuristic sci-fi dystopias. I feel like he's he's a new Paul Verhoeven when it comes to melding sci-fi and social commentary. And uh, it's about it's this woman who's sort of in this futuristic uh, pleasure area. And uh, she, she's been brought up on the notion that that men are horrible, that they just, that all they think about is just uh, that, 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 that they only have sex on the mind and nothing else. But, uh, and then there's also parallel, there's also this guy who's a bit of a shut-in, who's afraid to, who's been in too many bad relationships and he just doesn't want to expose himself to that. But then they cross paths and they see a bit of them, a bit of each other in themselves. And ultimately, it becomes a, a an interesting love story where he teaches her how to be human, and she teaches him how to have a good life. And they, they I've watched that. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah it, it's just sort of something that I came up with. And uh, yeah, just, you should uh, write that out, man. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, working on that. I'm also working on a little project called the Toolbox. It's like sort of an, an action team setup, and uh, I haven't worked on it for a while. But uh, I might go, I might get back to it and just sort of be like, oh, maybe 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 this might be better. Uh, similar to Tarantino, I always take influence from different movies, but rather than just copy it, I take one element of it and just sort of put it in the blender and just try it, and just try something different. That's awesome. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Will, do you have any other questions for our guests? We like to keep it a nice and short on here. But we got time for another question if you like. Yeah, I was actually going to uh, just touch on because that's the uh, you just kind of soft pitched uh, another romance movie. And that's kind of how you got your start, it sounds like. Is that like a genre that you particularly like to work in or uh, is there a specific genre that you you try to to fit into? Well, I mean, I'm not a big on rom-coms that much there are a few exceptions but that's not the primary genre i'd like to work in i'm more into uh crime dramas action thrillers things like that and the occasional maybe uh, any the occasional comedy that's smartly written and uh but yeah yeah it's sort of like like i i imagine all my movies will have some sort of comedic element to it even if it's a bit dark but Nice. You know, I mean, I mean, nothing's for everyone. That's what I've learned a while back. Everything is going to be an acquired taste to someone. And, uh, That's you know, a really great perspective as a filmmaker to have. I mean, look, I mean, Tarantino, when he directed uh, Jackie Brown, he just wanted to adapt something. But in the long run, he's better at original stuff and um, yeah. adapting. I mean, his worst movie, he calls it a uh, death proof. I, I, I still love it. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. No, no, it really is. You know, just... I think that's kind of like if I—that's kind of the core to Tarantino's movies—is like, no matter what they're touching on, it's always just a fun ride to just hop on and just lose yourself in the world for no. a couple hours. Yeah, definitely, and it, it's just you know, he's—I mean, the best directors are those who treat their audiences uh, you don't treat their audiences like they're stupid and pepper them with details like oh this happened and this happened and this happened I, I always cite uh logan uh that great moment subplot where we're not told exactly that professor xavier had a seizure and killed pretty much everyone in the x mansion we're told little clues and we piece it together 
like the when cut the radio cuts off and it's like you killed seven mute and then we're like oh that's why they're trying to suppress that but uh yeah i mean that i, I just think that little details and just not like being like oh this happened this happened no you gotta pepper in some breathing room you can't be like in rise of skywalker and just pep- <laughs> so shoot your audience in the face with details and uh in and also the line that Somehow, Palpatine turned. <laughs> Huge yeah. face bomb on that. No, the big no, that wasn't the biggest face bomb ever. Oh, Doctor Doom over here from Fan Forstick. Oh. That was. That's when I knew the movie sucked. Sucked. I mean, just, just don't do it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just uh, the industry. I've all I always uh, contended would not. Uh, suffer. I mean, it, it did a little bit in 2020, but I think now that people want new stuff and they're excited to see it, not just at home with a subscription that only lasts them another month, and just getting out there and just physically going to see something and not just watching it for like 10 bucks at home. But uh, no, I, I always knew it was here to stay. And uh, yeah. There's, yeah, there's always that. And- like my go-to there is for like uh, Endgame. Like that's not really that. It's not just a movie. That's an experience of going to the theater and uh, being around everyone else who's just looking for this exact same moment. Yeah, that was I mean, powerful when Endgame came out. So many no, powerful moments in the theater. No, I remember because I that was like the busiest my theater's ever been. Like we had to open up extra concessions and um i remember like um the monday after it came out i saw it at like 10 30 at night i didn't care that it was three hours i just wanted to see what was going to happen and then i did and yeah. yeah i pretty much uh left out my seat a few times and uh but, but yeah i mean movies like that deserve to be seen i mean this morning with venom like people were laughing and i mean because it's, it's a comedy it's not just comic book film it's, it's a comedy it's it's a buddy comedy that's what that 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 yeah. little franchise is and um yeah it's totally worth it it's totally worth it that's awesome well guys thank you so much for joining us here i've got to get back to the movie i'm working on because i'm sitting in the director's apartment we're doing a scene breakdowns today so <laughs> got to get back to that but drew thank you so much for joining us really appreciate having yeah, you on the hey, podcast man hey, hey thank you so much for having me yeah, we'll put uh, links to your work here when we post this. Any other projects you want to plug for yourself right now? Uh, not at the moment. I think I, uh, I think I plugged uh, my uh, blog, uh, Mr. Drew's Reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll definitely post a link for that in the description of the video. So awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me again. Of course. I'll stop the recording here.